Hey, Sean. Hi, David. Question for you. When you buy something, say a car or a bicycle, um, or even when you rent an apartment or hell, even buy a house, you expect it to be built in a proper and secure way, correct? Correct. So I am doing some renovations in my basement. And uh, over this past weekend, I tore down some drywall because I'm going to add a bathroom and all this stuff. And I was hoping to take advantage of this wall that was built in uh, like that was already up there. Just going to add a door in there. Yep. After taking down the drywall on one side, I noticed that the builders or whoever uh, erected this wall did Mm -hmm. not actually uh, secure it to the floor of course i didn't <laughs> in anyway there's one screw on one end of the the wall and then the other one is just kind of free floating i think the only thing keeping it uh secure or or you know from kind of shaking was the drywall let me tell you as much as it is great to own a house when you start kind of taking walls down and changing it up a bit you really learn all of the corners that were cut, so to speak, just to get things done. It is you not fun. It was very frustrating. Yeah. I like, uh, we're, we're, we're trying to fix up some of our under cupboards right now. And it's the exact same situation. I'm yeah. like trying to, trying to rob Peter to pay Paul while I'm trying to fix things up and have pots and pans, not jump out at you every chance they get. That's true. Do you know what? You, know, <laughs> you like waited for me too. I, I was waiting for you. <laughs> uh, you know what is not going to cut corners and not going to fall apart at the seams? This episode of the Seed Hunter Podcast. Well, isn't that something just waiting for each other's cue to set something up? But when I tried to set something else up earlier, I got cut off. So, like, I'm not setting up the joke anymore. I'm not setting up the segue <laughs> to open the show. We can just sit in dead silence. We just kind of, like, made eye contact over webcam and had a moment and then forgot that we were recording the podcast. Yeah, David's on tape delay. <laughs> yeah. What's up, oh, well. man? How are you? Long time, no chat. I know it's been a whole week. Actually, no, it hasn't. We we talk like every day. Yeah. Uh, you We're know in. what? It's been. I would say for the both of us on our entertainment front, it's been pretty, uh, a pretty good, uh, pretty good week. Yeah, I, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it a little bit later, but we uh, we both <laughs> we both finished what we or accomplished what we said we were gonna do last episode. Yeah, we, we we did. Um we 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 actually did a lot. We played a lot of games this week. We we watched some stuff. Um I I have a dilemma though. I uh I got a message from a friend and it was kind of weird. He messaged me and he was just like, "Hey man, what would you like to eat if you don't like sushi?" And I was like <laughs> I was like 
for you, I would eat whatever, right? And this guy just kept making it my fault that a whole group of people couldn't eat sushi because I am not a fan. That's right, everyone. <laughs> Buckle it. I'm not a fan of sushi. I, I'm a, a very, what what's it called? Where, where um, a textural eater. So there are like some foods that I just can't eat because of the texture in my mouth. And it's like, you don't like rice. I, I like, but it's like the rice with the raw fish and it makes like a paste. Like I could tell you right now, like straight <laughs> well, up, like, you it, know what? Everything that you eat should make a paste in your mouth. That's what teeth are for. <laughs> but you, but do you know what I mean? Right? Like there are some food, like I can't oh, yeah. drink yeah, for boba. Sure. I can't have bubble, bubble tea. tea. Yeah. Because I just That's like fair. I feel like throwing up, and it has nothing to do with the flavor. Because it smells delicious. I just, I mean, you could can't. always get bubble tea without the bubbles, like without the tapioca. Yeah, so just get tea. Yeah, flavor. Have you ever have, have you ever like uh, this? Is, this sounds so gross, and I'm so sorry. But have you ever put your hand in like the jar of the jellies? <laughs> like at the store <laughs> you just because i know you're not going there to order for yourself so you just walk in there stick your hand in the jar of jellies and then leave so, something like f- that <laughs> at a place that i used to work somebody came back uh, it was like the end of the day and they were like uh they just asked if they could have a cup of the jellies with their drink and like i, oh, that's I had funny. A, like i had a handful of them in my hand and they feel very weird. <laughs> it's just it's just like jello kind of stuff, but 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 it's like slimy. I don't know. Like okay, so Barry's the lead here. So I, t- I, I'm just calling out David for his like like honestly. If you say everybody's eating sushi, I will eat fucking whatever entails a sushi that is there. I've been to like sushi places before and have ordered other things. Well, so for anyone who, who's but, like, what but, the fuck are you guys talking about? So we're uh, this year. I am uh, getting married. Aww. Last year was Sean, <laughs> uh, and so we're we're trying to we're trying to figure out what we want to do for the reception. So we've kind of talked about doing uh, like going to this place. It's like an all you can eat sushi place, but like they have a you know a, a venue where um, we can like dance, karaoke, all that stuff, music, whatever. But the main whoa, thing that they do whoa, is sushi. Whoa, 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 stop. Stop. What? Not yeah, I say once. Car- I say in karaoke. this conversation, <laughs> for the last two weeks, did you tell me that karaoke was involved? Suck it to me, baby. Let's go. <laughs> no, it's sucky it to me, baby. I just didn't, um, I just didn't want it to sound wrong. <laughs> um, so, but the main thing is that all they do is sushi. So... I'm fine with that, but I said to uh, I said to she who shall not be named, like not everyone likes sushi, and everyone being uh, one person invited, apparently. Well, I'm sure you're not the only the only person, but at the time we were we were talking, and so I straight up just asked you if you like sushi, and you said no, and I said to her, I'm like, see, Sean doesn't like sushi, but you've also so, known that I haven't liked sushi for years. I mean, like. It's never really come up because we've never really ever gone for sushi or it's never been an option when we're hanging out. Like we're, well, we're we, never in a group of people where someone's like, let's go get sushi. We're usually like, let's go to Wendy's, Burger King, Chick-fil-A or order pizza or let's get, get a beer. greasy burger and beer. Yeah. Yeah. Or right. chicken wings. 
the, the typical guy stuff, right? So anyway, so I asked Sean, I said, yo, what food stuff would you like to eat at the reception? Because yo, no, like sushi. And he said, what's the options? I responded, we haven't figured that out yet. You're making it difficult. <laughs> <laughs> like, I literally didn't say, like, it's fine. <laughs> Um, oh. <laughs> so Sean said that he'll he'll survive on sushi. He'll learn to love it. I said, we're going to bring something for the princesses who don't like sushi. Notice how I said, uh, yeah, notice how I said princesses, because I know you're not the only one. But anyway, so um, <laughs> then this is the probably the best part of this whole conversation is uh, so she should not be named looking for like a like we want something. Oh, that, the gourmet burger. <laughs> <laughs> we want something that is. Uh, you know, nicer. So whether it be uh, like premium burgers or like sandwiches, something like that, right? That, like, because pizza is going to probably come later, right? Like that's the typical. Like everyone's kind of drunk and whatnot, getting greasy pizza, right? So I asked John, I was like, uh, or so she wants to know if you like premium burgers, and I I added in there like Harvey's. <laughs> See, like to me, if you're ordering a premium burger from some place, it's like you're calling up the works. Or yeah, something, something like right? that, or like New Burger or whatever, right? Like, no, we don't have a we don't have a Harvey's in in Kenora. We just have A and W. But <laughs> that's what anyway. I said to my other half, I was like, maybe they're just Jonesing for Harvey's because they've only got a Wendy's and a McDonald's. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, when we've gone to Winnipeg, I don't recall seeing a Harvey's. Well, that's I'm sure they, they don't have make their hamburgers. A beautiful. I'm thing. sure. Th- I'm sure that they're there, but yeah. Anyway, so. Now, since Sean called me out <laughs> on the show, like we're oh, going to find I, well, I wasn't gonna... using any names. I just said I had a friend. Oh, yeah. We all know <laughs> you're talking about me. <laughs> you don't your your tone changes when you're talking about me versus talking about an actual other person in your life. So anyway, yeah, so there's this guy I know who's a real <laughs> pill. Speaking of uh, speaking of calling people's names, uh, we started watching on Netflix. There's uh, the history of swear words. Nice. I don't know if it's a new series or, or what, but it's got uh, Nicholas Cage as the host, which is such a bad actor. But uh, no, that's a pretty interesting show. You should check it out if you just want something that goes about swear words. You, First you know two what episodes I, are pretty good. You know what? I actually went back into the memory bank for the other day. I was really feeling like just like a toy centric show. So I watched the toys that made us. I just watched an episode that I hadn't watched yet. You know what? I started, I watched a few of those episodes, but the thing is I never really was a big toy collector. Did you watch like, the Star I Wars had, one? Though? I remember I had, yeah, of course. Um, Cause I had a bunch of Star Wars toys. Um, but I remember like the action figures that I had. I know that I had some He-Man action figures I had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles figures. That was really about it, other than Star Wars. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff is like, okay, mm, it doesn't really interest me. But the movies that made us, that series is really good. I still haven't watched all those. I haven't watched all of them. I'm just watching the ones that I find, like, starting with the most interesting ones. But So what started this and started something else that I've been up to? I was scrolling through TikTok just aimlessly, you know, pooping TikTok the way she goes. And I saw a clip of an episode of, oh, my God, Pawn Stars. And a guy had the Boba Fett 
that was the prototype. Oh, yeah. So the yeah, one yeah. with the spring in his back that could shoot the little missile that was mm-hmm. not put to uh, to market. And I was like, where did I see that before? And then it turns out that it was in that episode. So I went back and watched the whole thing. And like originally that Boba Fett was only available if you like, I think it was two um, cereal box tops, right? Yeah, yeah. To like General Mills or something to get this little Boba Fett that shot a rocket, but he was never allowed to shoot a rocket. So the ones that they did make and send out had the rocket fixed into his back. So I just thought that was kind of a cool segue, which is also something I wanted to tell you about. So uh, you bought a segue? No, I wish. <laughs> Actually, I don't think I'm like that would have been a cool segue. Enough. Um, so I've been playing a lot of MLB The Show, mm-hmm. and I'm currently doing the Moneyball Challenge. And I learned about this again on TikTok after I watched almost the entire Moneyball in different orders on TikTok because I liked one video. And you know how the algorithm works, right? So you get three minutes of the movie at a time. So you get like when he trades mm-hmm. for Ricardo Rincon or when he when he hires Peter, when he's making his draft choices, when he like trades Giambi. And like I'm watching this whole movie just clip by clip by clip. And my other half looks at me. She's like, why don't you just put it on the TV? I was like, because I already saw that part. So I'm uh, I'm engaged right now in playing MLB The Show. I'm doing a five-year franchise of the Oakland Athletics, and the rules are pretty much what everybody else is following on the internet for this challenge. Salary cap must be on, and you must follow your team's budget. You can't get fired, but you have to build yourself a contender within five years and win the World Series. You could choose to play every game if you want. I'm playing just critical moments, and I'm just slowly picking away my team. I just... I've kind of unloaded everybody in the first season. I've uh, I've made some shrewd trades, but I've also gone after like a few players that I think have some value to me. Plus, I like them, so they're on my team. But I think my highest earning player makes eight million dollars. So, hmm. we're, we're the Oakland uh, days. <laughs> I have never seen the movie Moneyball. You should. There's it a good? reason. It's phenomenal. It is. I mean, probably one of the best sports movies ever made. It uh, it better than Rudy. Better than Rudy. Like, do you do? You, <laughs> I know you're not like a big sports guy, like I am. But like, if you want to understand how the back end of a sports team works, it's a great movie. Another one that I'm like a huge, huge fan of, and my my one football buddy laughs at me all the time because he used to be a Browns fan. Is Draft Day with uh, Kevin Costner. And I love that movie. It's not a great movie, but I love that movie. Just because it's like you're he's making trades on draft day. He's making his draft picks. So like the day in the life kind of thing. It's just like it's a fake documentary. But um, maybe I'll maybe I'll check out Moneyball and so that I can understand what you're doing a little bit more in, uh, in the game. It's, it's based off a true story of how general manager Billy Bean. Um ran the Oakland athletics with no money. Right. Yeah. I remember general, general manager. Hearing, hearing about that, yeah. I think I just said owner, which would be incorrect. Yeah. Um, I, you know, you've been playing MLB, the show 23. I started playing, uh, randomly Ghostwire Tokyo. Cause it's on game pass. Um, and you know, I was expecting, and I, I will, I'll, I'll probably just David it, but, 
uh, I was expecting to David it very, very quickly. Um, I just wanted to kind of see what it was like, what I, what I could s- expect from it. And, uh, turns out that I ended up playing it for seven and a half hours. How long oh. is that game? Let's see how far, uh, how long to beat. I mean, I'm like just at the end of chapter two. I don't know how many chapters there are. You have to log into this website now. Are you fucking kidding me? No, you don't. I'm, I'm wrong. Ghostwire Tokyo. So the main story is 11 hours. Main plus extra is 20 and a half. Completion is, is 37. You're telling me you're only at the end of the second chapter? Yeah, I've been doing. Uh, so it kind of opens up into like an open world thing and you can you can explore and you have to collect like spirits because something's happened in Tokyo and everyone's turned into these spirits and you have to collect them and and deposit them into a phone booth. Um, but, uh, that part's the realistic part. Yeah, that's the realistic part. Um, so there's a lot of exploring in that way. And so so this is the one thing that I lose, why I lose interest in a lot of these, these open world games like these, because there's so many things to fetch and collect. And obviously I know I could just, uh, I could just continue and rush through the story, but without collecting this other stuff, you don't level up as fast and you don't unlock stuff. Right. So they kind of, it's, it's designed to be an integral part of the game if you want to progress your character and so that it's not impossible later on so i've been doing a lot of those and like the side quests and stuff like that but uh i think it's going to get to a point where it's like okay i'm just going to play through the story but so i haven't played a game though in a while quite a while where i just kind of lose track of time yeah it does happen i remember like when I first got into the meat and potatoes of RCS, I thought it was like great. And then I was like, wow, it's just the same fetch quest over and over and over again. Mm. Go catch three of these Pokemon. Okay, cool. Yeah. But like I've started to, I've noticed a shift in my mentality when I'm gaming. Unless I'm playing a game where I know I want to complete, complete. I want to play the story. I want a GTFO. I just want to get through it. Mm hmm. Even when I was playing Breath of the Wild, it was the same thing, right? I knew I had to collect shrines in order to increase my hearts. That's the only reason I did it. And once I hit the maximum amount of hearts, I was like, okay, full full speed ahead. Let's beat this game. Yeah. I think I just have to kind of get into that mentality where it's just like, okay, like I enjoy I enjoy the stories of the games, but I also like want to unlock cool shit. Right? So um you know, some people, a lot of people hate like really linear games with like not a lot of exploration. I don't actually hate those because it it pushes you forward. Um, you mean like God of War? Yeah, I have never played that one though. I know. One day, one day I'll start. Um, and games like Uncharted, right? They are rather linear, like the the maps or the worlds that you're exploring, you know, they have multiple ways to get from point A to point B, but for the most part, it's a fairly straightforward, like adventure game without a huge open world game. And now I haven't played uncharted four, so I'm not sure if they mix things up a little bit with that one, but uh, one through three were very pretty much exactly like that. Right. Um, but one thing that I've started to do is just playing games on easy. Yeah. Story because, mode. Because, you know, I like I I'm not 
playing these games anymore for the challenge of trying to play on a harder difficulty and 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 kind of beat the game i want to enjoy the game so that was like the first step i think is is going and and not being not necessarily ashamed but just being like uh i'm playing on easy like am i going to get the the full experience of the game for the most part you are it's just enemies are are easier right like they they're not as aggressive or whatnot so it's easier to beat them so i started doing that and actually i was reading uh um someone had posted on one of the uh subreddits for like trophy hunting and stuff like that that they 100 percented or got all the trophies for ghostwire tokyo um because it's on game pass and i think it just launched on game pass what like a week ago or something like that there are people like that though Right. But someone's like, that was fast. And the, the person said, yeah, I'm, I play games on easy now because I don't have time to, you know, cr- try and, and beat games on on hard or on normal. Even I think the only games that I'll play on normal is uh, the Yakuza games because they're not that difficult to begin with. So, yeah, like I think when I sped through The Last of Us part one for the second time, I just had it on. Give me a story type of thing. Right. I think that's what uh, my other house playing Hogwarts on too. just story. I'm playing on it a little bit harder because like, I also don't think it's fun to defeat something by hitting like spamming a button. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, what I will say, though, is a game like Jedi Fallen Order. Was. Openly linear enough that it was. Perfect. Like you only had definitive paths you could take, but you could choose which path you wanted to take to get to certain things. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're on Dothamir, like there's only two ways to get to the top, but oh, you have to go Dothamir. through like that, that world was the worst getting through that, <laughs> that maze to fight all the sisters, uh, like the zombie sisters before you got back up to that temple was kind of crazy. And then yeah. you fight that, that gargoyle fucking owl dragon, lots of stuff that happened on that planet. But yeah, Guys, it finally happened. David beat a game and he beat it before I did. And the only reason he did, and I was thinking about it, (laughs) I'm like at a friend's house playing board games and I get this message and like, damn it, I'm off tomorrow. I wanted to beat this before he did. But we both beat Jedi Fallen Order within 24 hours of each other. And that's amazing. Oh, I, I thought you were going to play like a sound or something. something I like that. thought I had the regal horns, but I can't find it. Oh, okay. Well, I, I got nothing. Yeah, you know what? Um, it was one of those things that I knew that I was like near the end. Because uh, when we had last played previously, we had both finished Dathomir. We had to go back to the Jedi Temple. The one, one place there or whatever. And I thought that was going to be a, a much larger uh, storyline, but it wasn't. It was actually pretty pretty short and then uh yeah the the final the final level uh or the final world or whatever you go to the inquisitor temple which wasn't very long in itself i Uh, knew the moment you get through that first room after you come out of the water just the way the waves of the troopers were coming at you i was like this is the end of the game for sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like I had a feeling when we were flying there because like, what else can you do to get the holocron? But like, I was like, you know what? Maybe there could be a little bit more because you were just given all this background information about seer. Maybe there's something else kind of like going on, but no, 
it was just like here's wave after wave after wave but it did make you feel badass didn't it yeah like just, I, there's nothing better than like cr- separating your your dual saber and then chopping them in half if you could chop people in half just the droids actually in uh jedi survivor that comes out on the 28th there is dismemberment confirmed oh i wonder if it's a setting that you have to pick uh maybe but uh it was in the the one trailer that they showed uh he cuts off a leg of um a stormtrooper and um i was like did i see that correctly was that actually it and i rewound it and yeah, he cut it off, and then all the comments in the, one of the Reddit threads was like, "Yes, dismemberment confirmed." That's remember, the biggest thing is that people wanted to be able to cut off arms and stuff like that. You remember the first time we saw the trailer for Jedi Fallen Order, and it's Cal running through, and he like just kills a stormtrooper, and nothing happens. You're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, c- yeah." Cool. I was like, "Okay, yeah." So uh, we both beat Jedi Fallen Order. Um, and in time to actually play Jedi Survivor, but we might not get it right away. It really also depends for me on the next thing we're talking about. But like if I acquire Tears of the Kingdom around launch, I'm going away for a week. So what game am I going to have time to beat? Do I care more about Star Wars over Zelda? Yes. Star Wars Actually, both were there through my childhood. Mm. I didn't really start playing Zelda until Ocarina of Time. And I really, truthfully, never went back to complete, like Link's Awakening or anything like that. The only top-down Zelda games I've ever beaten are Ages and Seasons. Mm -hmm. So, like, to me, like, Breath of the Wild was fun. I just beat that in January. Am I in a rush to get it, though? No. Am I in a rush to get... Jedi Fallen Order or uh, Jedi Survivor. Also, no, but my Star Wars, like, I'll be truthful when it's come to Star Wars content lately, including Mando, which we'll talk about later. It's been kind of overwhelmingly subpar. Yeah, almost so almost disappointing to, to an the, extent. The finish or like the finale of Jedi Fallen Order, aside from when you're trying to escape vader which was a little bit overdone in my opinion um was so good you ha- you have the um seer sister what was her what was her name um um the 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 not inquisitor inquisitor six the sixth sister sister yeah like she has a cha- she has a change of heart and then vader kills her I don't really know if she had a change of heart, though. I think. Well, she says, avenge me. So, yeah. Yeah. But I think to it was it was kind of borderline like she she knew. But at the same time, um, I don't think she was uh, like turning back to be being good. But um, that just that Andy just hyped me up for what uh we could potentially expect in Jedi survivor. Yeah. Um, I'm on the fence on if I want to get it at launch or if I want to wait, because I know the game's going to go on sale in a few months, but 
if I don't get that Star Wars fix of a, a, a new game, it depends on how good the game is, right? Like if people are saying that it's like phenomenal, it takes everything that was good from the first one and makes it better kind of thing. It might just push me to buy it. I, I'm going to be honest with you, knowing the trend and how these games work. I'm just going to wait for one of two things because I don't own Jedi Fallen Order. But it could either easily go on Game Pass. It could go on PlayStation Plus or whatever the PlayStation. What is that service called again? PlayStation Now? Extras. PlayStation, whatever I pay for. Or it'll go on a deep cut. Like this game's coming out in March and it already has April. no. What? A, yeah, April. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> this game comes out in three weeks or two weeks. Two weeks. And. Yeah. It has no chance of winning game of the year. It might compete in a category of for something. Well, it's only games that come out in the last like two months of the year. Get no, nominated for game of the year. I can guarantee you Tears of the Kingdom will be up for every award possible. Oh, probably. And that comes out in three weeks. Yeah. Um what Yeah, like overall- if it, if it was a Ubisoft game, we know that it would go on sale within two months it's right from an even bigger discounter though it's ea like what are we doing here but it's star wars though and it's the last game that they made that they fully own the rights to star wars uh jedi fallen order was but but uh star wars is no longer exclusive to ea because you correct correct and there's a bunch of other ones but anyways uh you had mentioned Tears of the Kingdom, or is it Tears of the Kingdom? Hold on, go back, go back. I asked you a question. What was the question? I said, what was your overall feeling? Like, how do you feel leaving that game? You know what? I thought that the ending was was a, a solid ending. They left it where that could have been the end of the story of the characters and everything. Um, So I'm very curious as to see how the story is going to... F- uh, unfold in Jedi Survivor because obviously we know that the Empire is still going to be after them, but they don't know that uh, what they've done with the Holocron or anything like that. Um, but I like how it it ended, like I said, with with no setup for a sequel. You know how a lot of games and movies like they tease that there's a sequel that could potentially be made. They yeah. didn't have it. So it was like, okay, this felt like a solid, like solid ending. I like so, it. So yeah, I really like the ending. I I've I've kind of looked into a few things on Reddit and just I wanted to see what people thought of the ending. A lot of people didn't like the idea of Cal being close to the sister Marin or Night Sister Marin and the like romantic relationship that is implied. Why? Because she went up to hug him. Yeah, that's it. And he was like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Well, apparently it could be something that is like continued on in the next game, whatever. I like the fact that we know exactly when this happens. We know it happens right after Order 66, right after Order 66. Yeah, well, not like directly after. Isn't he in hiding for a little bit? Yeah, sorry. It it happens. Kid, I think it happens a few years after. A few years after the uh, Order sixty six, because he's he's uh, older and working at the on the scrapyards, 
um, so by disassembly best and stuff. Guess it's sometime between it's like between fourteen and nine years towards a new hope. Which means if like there's no actual it's not ever brought up. Obi-Wan has no idea who Calcestis is, or does he? But you could see Calcestis in Obi-Wan Kenobi. That would be kind of a nice little nod. You can give Calcestis his own show. I think people would love that shit. Mm-hmm. And so apparently, um, Fallen Order took place in 14, uh, 14 BBY, so Battle Before Yavin. Um, because Jedi F- Survivor is confirmed to set pl- take place five years afterwards. You could also see him possibly make an appearance in Ahsoka. You know what? I feel like that would be that would be too much for uh, Ahsoka, like for that series, like like too uh, far cross, because she's cr- like a full adult now versus when she was Snips. Yeah, but also like the crossover stuff. I think in Ahsoka, we're going to have a lot of characters. Well, it's confirmed. There's going to be pretty much every character from Rebels in there. So I think having Cal is is a little much. I think we. You can insert him. I could see a uh, scene uh, maybe in the Acolyte or something like that. Maybe. I think you, you have a unique opportunity to test out the character because fans love it right now. And fans are really into this whole video games into TV and video games into movie kind of conversation. But you want to tear into a different topic, specifically Tears of the Kingdom which is what we were we were just talking about a little bit about like the hype of the game. Mm-hmm. I know David never actually completed the game. I, I believe you own it, but never really got too, too far, right? No, I got to the first uh, beast thing. Well, which one did you, do you remember which one you went to? It was like the, uh, the elephant thing. No, oh, the one in the sand. Yeah, that one's a tough one. Wait, oh, that's a camel. The, the elephant's the water one. The water ours. one. Yeah, and you need to surf on something and then shoot arrows. And the problem that I had is that I had run out of arrows. Oh yeah, the electric arrows. Yeah, yeah. Um, the that game in itself, like I had a little bit of help from a friend who told me to actually go to the top corner of the map first to get um Ravali's Gale, I believe it was called the um the eagle because then you could jump up really high and glide. So it made travel super, super simple if you were up high or you can move mm-hmm. around and traverse a little bit better. So that to me was like a fun way to play the game, but like watching the trailer that just dropped last week, actually, well, shortly after we recorded, I have some concerns. I think the game looks phenomenal. However, I do wonder how, launch switches are gonna handle this thing <laughs> well like even launch switches didn't handle breath of the wild very well yeah and that was a wii u game yeah that's true like does it look great yes the art style okay i'm just answering easy questions for myself i guess the art style i think looks very similar the world looks very vast the problem is halfway through the trailer, they start showing you all the different um, runes you can learn. And there's so many more things. And this game looks like it's going to be heavily 
um, influenced by what vehicles you can create and how your creativity will help you move around the map. Mm -hmm. I, the one thing that really stood out to me is the variety in environments. Like it feels like the environments that you're going to explore are a lot, a lot different and more varied than that of breath of the wild. I'd agree. I felt like breath of the wild. You're just, you're just exploring the, this, this vast, the vast plains and there's some mountains and some other stuff like that. But for the most part, it was all much of the same. Whereas uh, tears of the kingdom look like it's going to be significantly different. Yeah. The, uh, the thing that really pissed me off though, is they're talking about the master sword, which is firmly in the ground again. I was like, I worked so hard to get that goddamn sword out of the last game. I hope, I hope that this game doesn't depend on a DLC to continue it. I hope mm, that's true. That this game rewards players who have completed the last game in one way or another. Maybe it's you have access to the Master Sword earlier or it's easier to get. And I hope that a new game plus actually could exist if the game does abruptly end at the end. Mm hmm. Like, let me let me take everything I've learned and do it all again. That's fun. I mean, like, ultimately, this needs to be it, it has to be an epic because they need to switch up the mechanics for the next game. Agreed. I also think it needs to be an epic because I think this is the sunset for Switch V1 and Switch V2. Because we have Switch, which is the the uh, like the the launch Switch, and we have the OLED Switch, mm -hmm. and they're releasing an OLED Switch with the Tears of the Kingdom like printing on it and stuff. Mm -hmm. Looks so cool! Like I shit you not, I remember. Do you remember when Breath of the Wild came out, and it came with the Amiibo, and it also came with like the robot? Yep. And it was just for the Wii U at the time. Well. <sighs> No, they delayed it for the Wii U. I remember the box for that being blue. I don't think there was one for the Switch. Oh, I don't know. But I know that they delayed the game to release at the same time as the Switch and Wii U. There there was a... There's a Tears of the Kingdom one. Breath of the Wild one only came out for the Wii U. The, the collector's edition anyways, by the looks of it. Oh, yes. Um, because because let me just look at this yeah you know why because i don't know there's a collector's edition for switch but i think it only came it's out different Japan. it's a master sword yeah um i remember hearing that the the oh yeah the switch one came with like a case like a a case for the console and yeah, the Sheikah Slate, yeah. But then there was a special edition for uh, Wii U, which was specific for Wii U because Nintendo um, felt bad. And it came with, yeah, it came with a bunch of stuff. Yeah. It came with a bento box and stuff like that, right? Good, good old bento boxes. That's what yeah. I need for my Zelda playing games. Yeah. Um, overall, I think it looks like it's going to be good. I think it has a lot of potential. I'm like, who am I kidding? It's a Zelda game. It's going to print money. But I also do believe that this is the end of the Switch as we know it. Nintendo could re release something called the Switch 2 
and everybody would be perfectly happy. Even if it stayed looking the same, mechanically, physically, all that shit, and they just made it more powerful, I think everybody would be happy or release a Switch Pro. I know, like, if I had to update my Switch, that's I'm not going to update to the OLED. I'm going to update to whatever's next. Mm-hmm. But like, like at, there was at this point, there's no sense in updating to an OLED Switch. Yeah, like I could tell you, like beside my Switch, it's night and day. But like, you still see frame rate drops. You see that for every console and PC game, I guess as well. But you think if you edited your trailer, you'd get rid of those. Mm-hmm. you know so yeah do some little editing magic but i think uh yeah this this will probably be the last zelda game for uh nintendo switch the i think this one's... is gonna be the last big game for the nintendo switch i don't know unless like first nintendo, party unless nintendo announces some crazy shit like um i don't know like they're they're riding the nintendo switch you can just release a pro make it faster Nintendo first party games 2023. They got a lot of stuff coming out this year. Maybe not necessarily first party, but uh, but there, this, there's this a ton is of what I'm asking. Out right? Like, what do you have coming that's first party? Pikmin 4. Do you have a Mario game that we don't know about yet? Maybe some uh, Mario DLC for Mario Party? Yeah, yeah, you've, that's unlikely. You've sunsetted Super Smash Brothers, which is your highest earning game, period. The Mario Kart um, releases in your DLC pass have been underwhelming, to say the least. Like, they're yeah. fun, but, like, I don't run out of my way to do it. Uh, Canadians can't get the the Switch Nintendo 64 Bluetooth controller. Oh you're yeah, giving a, you're not giving as much. And um, like the last first party release is Pikmin Four on July twenty first. Yeah, I think I think Pikmin Four is going to be the last, unless there's something that's announced. Like unless they announce like an F Zero re- remake or something like that. Never. We have a higher chance of getting a Star Fox remake. I'm okay with that. Like you know what you know what this world desperately needs, and the movie proved it. We need more Donkey Kong content. Not Donkey Kong 64, which I would love a Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Switch game. But that's what we need. Yeah, we need like a, th- a 3D adventure Donkey Kong game. But you know what uh, is going to really or what has finally turned things upside down for us? What's that? This episode of Zeno. Sean and I finally, weeks and weeks after release, played uh, Upside Downtown. Yeah, we're uh, sorry. Mighty Coconuts. We're uh, usually well, way more go. diligent, but we were so, so busy. And I got to say. Yeah. You what? guys haven't you guys haven't made a, a a level or a course yet that has hurt our necks so much. <laughs> yeah, I like honestly, I woke up Sunday morning and I was like, what did I do last night? <laughs> and that was that was fr- Saturday morning because we played Friday night. Yeah. We also recorded like we recorded some footage. We're going to put up some other stuff. But um, what what a cool concept. What a frustrating concept. Like you could never really play that game like that course to me. You have to be so lucky. Yeah, I think part of the, the problem with that one or the difficulty 
doesn't stem from the design layout or the design of the the course, but with the limitations of the hardware, um, because like the tracking and everything of that for for because there's not that feedback that you have holding a, a real club or just something in your hands when you're trying to hit something off a wall or a ceiling, it makes it a lot harder than if you're just golfing like we, we normally do in that game with our hands straight down. Right? Yes, like, and I punched a shelf by accident. Yeah, I almost I actually almost uh, walked or hit my TV. <laughs> yeah, like I was very disoriented by the end of it. I actually I will admit like I don't get a lot of motion sickness from VR. I didn't feel that the other night. What I did feel, though, is like, do you remember when rollerblades were like cool when you were a kid? Are you talking about rollerblades or still are cool? Yeah. According to Ken from the Barbie movie, which is also something we haven't talked about. But um, do you remember that feeling you'd have if you like rollerbladed on your road that wasn't like freshly paved, but it was like. Yeah, it was like the the gravelly, like, yeah, rough road. Yeah, I had that. Yeah. And then like you take your rollerblades off and your feet would just like feel like you were skating for like a good five minutes. That Mm -hmm. sensation was there because your feet were just vibrating nonstop. Yeah. I had to sit down and actually like have some water and get some air after playing because like I was so disoriented because most of the time while I had that headset on, I was looking straight up in the air. Yeah. You're not looking down a lot playing that course. And and I have a battery pack on my my headsets, right? So th- my headset itself weighs a significant amount more. But you would have the counterweight, so that might have been a little bit more comfortable. But it's still it's still weighted regardless of whichever way that I'm 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 holding my head, right? Yeah. But I, you know, I, like that was uh it was an interesting course. It was fun. Like every every course was like, or every hole was very different. And it was like, okay, what's the, what is the, uh, the puzzle for this one? You know? Yeah. So here's my hot take. Cause you and I are big walkabout fans. There's another course dropping, uh, this week in the El Dorado pack, I believe it is, or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, give us a skill based map. Give us, a map where you actually have to play the game to play it, to beat people. Like there are some courses like this one here where you're so dependent on luck. mm -hmm. Like, Oh, I hit it just on the right angle that it's going to fall down that hole. Or I hit it just on the right angle that the ball is going to make it across the Valley. Well, I think it was like that too. You couldn't play with skill. You had to play with like, you were aiming you be, for traps. You had to be strategic on like where you're you're going. I think the problem with going to a course where it's primarily based off skill rather than just being like, hey, you know what? I'm going to hit it this way and see what happens is that it will take away some of the fun from the game. Like we like playing this game, just shooting the shit, just talking, whatever, without being too serious about it. If we wanted to be when we want to play games and be a little bit more serious about it, we'll play golf plus. I, I feel that's true. Right. Because that. Um, that is a much more serious style of, of gameplay. Whereas walkabout, I mean, 
they could very well do uh, like a, a putting challenge um, and come up with something like that. But I feel like ultimately if they were to have a, a course that is designed to be played primarily with, with skill, um, then it would take away from the game and not to say that the game doesn't take skill, right? Like there is a lot of skill involved, especially if you want to get like holes in ones and stuff like that and, and, and whatnot. Um, but upside downtown was very luck based. I feel. I mean, like if you look at courses like Arizona modern or just like the very first one at that beach course, right? Mm -hmm. You're looking at like holes that you could actually like, don't get me wrong. I like I'll flex it every chance I get the fact that I got minus 19 on an 18 hole course. But like that took a lot of skill. Like you Mm -hmm. have to like, look at your line. You have to like make like that one feels very like, you just spent $10 and you went to your local putt putt. Exactly. Yeah. Which I think the game needs to go back to a little bit because there's so many courses where there's just massive holes that just go to nowhere, or you have to shoot down a stair set and then bounce it over this thing. Mm-hmm. That's fine. And it's still fun. It's just, I want a little bit more skill and a little less luck. So what I think you're, you're saying is that you want a more traditional mini putt experience rather than what we're getting right now, which is um, environmental experiences. Yeah, like take a page out of Gran Turismo's book. A little bit more simulation, a little bit less arcade. I'm okay. Like, I love the game as it is. But lately, you're not releasing any maps that are offering a stimulating challenge. Like I'm not I'm not sitting here like, oh, my God, David, we got to go play upside downtown again. I'm going to be honest with you, unless we're playing with people who have never played with it, played it. That was slightly a toll like that took a lot out of my neck. It took a lot Mm -hmm. out of my Mm -hmm. eyes. I don't think age has anything to do with that. Like I'm more inclined to go to maps like the Gothic one or Sweetopia. We play that all the time. with Yeah, Sweetopia is a lot of fun. I think. The last course that they released that felt closer to some like the original, like the classic, like mini golf style was Gardens of Babylon, which is a phenomenal course. There's like a few holes that are a little janky, but yeah. But overall, I think that one was a more traditional mini golf style, but in an environment that was interesting to to explore. Shangri-La was like that too, minus like a few holes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But didn't Gardens of Babylon come out after Shangri-La? I thought it, maybe? I think so. And then it was uh, like a bunch of the the wonky ones that they came came out with. Shangri-La is over a year old. I remember beating that. I remember beating the like, um, whatchamacallit, the fox hunt on new year's eve before playing mario party because we were isolating so we played online with some other people mm, yeah i remember playing uh remember that owen guy we used to play play mini golf with our old good friend owen <laughs> yeah we uh i uh, i found some recordings from when uh, we were playing that one and uh there was one hole that i it was like one of the harder ones and uh 
I got a hole in one on that one. Right as we were, the funny, the conversation was like, oh, this one's like stupid impossible. It's like, there's no way that someone's going to get a hole in one of this one. And I got a hole in one. I'll have to see if I can pull that footage off there. But counterpoint, I think it's Coyote Valley. The last one that was like a very traditional minus like the windmill. Yeah, but that one. was one of the first uh, that was one of the first uh, DLCs Expansions, that they released. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're they're going away from traditional mini golf a little bit. It would be cool, though, if you're listening, because I know you guys do listen. I think it'd be really cool if you had like a a glow in the dark one. Oh, I, yeah. Like like in a bowling alley, you know, like, yeah, or like the bowling alley has mini golf, which is yeah, like exactly. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like you, you, you could be starting, you know, how like uh, 20,000 leagues started. Yeah. And you're like traveling to it. You could start as if you're walking through a bowling alley. To the back corner and it's a mini putt. Yeah. Are you thinking about the one in London? That's very specific, but I know that's exactly Freeway. what you're thinking. Oh yeah, 100. Yeah. percent That's what was in my <laughs> my mind. Yeah. The only reason I know that is I've been there numerous of times. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Play play the sound. All right, so at time of recording, it's a very rare moment, but neither David or I have seen the final episode of The Mandalorian. So this is 100% speculation as to what could happen (laughs) in in this final episode. We will discuss the last episode to not great detail, but just a little bit of a... A namuse bouche, if you will, and we'll uh, we'll kind of see where where the world takes us. Yeah. So, and and we'll we're gonna do a deep dive into season three. Uh, maybe on our next week. episode. Yeah, next week. Once we can really sit and and marinate in the thoughts and and what actually happened in season season three. Now, uh, I didn't even realize that this week's episode is our last episode of season three. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I re- do that to you? Yeah. You told me <laughs> I was surprised, right? Only because I feel like they have accomplished pretty much nothing in terms of driving the story forward. This would be 100,000% accurate. So it's hard to say kind of like what we think is going to happen in the f- finale. But I think it's going to end on a very much of a cliffhanger. It has to. Yes. I I would say, though, the cliffhanger won't be as dramatic as the end of season two, where we're trying to decide what are trying to determine where Grogu will end up. Because I think you don't have a show without Din and Grogu as much as they're teasing Din Djarin being in grave danger like Moff mm-hmm. Gideon has the upper hand on him mm-hmm. right now right I okay so some some crazy theories that I have I have a few Um, theory number one is going to be the easy way out they are going to try and uh, save Din Jardin uh, the Mandalorian the silver Mandalorian um, from Moff Gideon I think uh, 
Uh, Bo-Katan's going to go get help. They're going to come back and try and save him. And it's going to get to a uh, a standoff where there's going to have to be a trade of some sort. Um, whether they trade for um, Bo-Katan or they trade Grogu or something like that. I think something like that's going to happen. Uh, situation or uh, theory number two is Bo-Katan is going to go back to the fleet in uh, orbit and they are going to be under attack from the Empire. So then she is going to be divided and has to focus on that kind of stuff where we are left with like some sort of cliffhanger with uh, Din uh, being kind of captured and held hostage um, by Moff Gideon. I don't I don't think that they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to hurt Din Djarin at all. No, no, I don't think. Well, he's already hurt, right? He's already been captured. But I, I, I don't think that they're going to necessarily kill him off. But I think they're going to use him as uh, some sort of bargaining chip for to to get to Grogu. Um, it could be that Grogu sacrifices himself. He trades himself in. And then it's going to turn into another rescue mission in no. season four. Also, um, no. I don't I don't think I would love. I don't think Fellini and Favreau are going to do that. And hell, Bryce Dallas Howard, her hands are heavily involved in this now, too. I don't think you remember how a few weeks ago we were talking about how the series followed the same pattern and mistakes it was making like it's just become so Mm -hmm. cookie cutter Mm -hmm. i don't think they will retain and maintain fans if they do the same thing oh no grogu's in peril oh no so you mean luke's not going to come out of nowhere and save save them yeah but then the whole the whole two years we were waiting was is grogu coming back Oh my God, there's a poster with Grogu and Luke Skywalker and a yellow uh, Kyber crystal. Oh, is, does that like what's happening? Oh, is Grogu no longer part of the Mandalorian? I think one of two, my, my, my guesses are on the flip side. I think we're going to find out that the, uh, the armor is working with Moff Gideon and that's why she's not on the planet right now with them. But didn't she go down with them? She flew up in the ship with the injured people. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think the armor set this up. <sighs> or I think you're going to see Bo-Katan flipped. Something's going to happen feel like to one of I those f- two women. I feel like that, if anything, I could see the armor maybe being killed of some sort or, or injured, severely injured. Um, but I I can't see them doing anything with that character significantly, like having her actually be like evil or anything like that, solely because she is the like one of the people that uh, really like enforces the creed. Right. Um, I can't see Bo-Katan flipping. Um, unless. Unless there was some sort of a, a agreement made with Moff Gideon in negotiating with releasing Din or something like that, uh, because 
she is a she is a very strong leader in the Star Wars universe. Um and I think that would go go against like kind of her character to to reunite and and take back Mandalore. I think the only way that they would do be able to do that and have it uh, believable for her character is if there was some sort of agreement had to be made with, uh, which would then directly influence her regaining control of Mandalore. All right. So here's my flip then. This is why I think the armor is heavily involved here. Okay. Take this journey with me. All right. So the armor decides that Bo-Katan could take off her helmet and she has to go find all these other Mandalorians to help them <clears throat> to, to join forces and grab Mandalore, right? Then Bo-Katan fights the Mandalorians, brings everybody back. All is good, right? And then the episode we just watched was called Spies. Usually, I don't, like, the Star Wars names for this season have been very interesting. So we've had the Apostate, uh, the Minds of Mandalore, the Convert, the Foundling, the Pirate, Guns for Hire, the Spies. There's no title for Chapter 24. When Bogatan's asking for help to go check the the surface of Mandalore, right? Mm-hmm. She's already been down there. So is Din, and so is Grogu. They were there. They swam the waters. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Why did she not want to stay with her people that she leads so, so, so power? Like, she just, she's always been like, no, you will do this. You will do that. I'm leading you. And then she always hides in the shadows. But like, since Bo came on the scene, she's been heavily involved in like getting rid of Bo-Katan and Din. She could have been setting up everything. And then what's his face found? um, Oh, why can't I think of his name? Um. Uh, Captain Tiva found mm-hmm. Moff Gideon's transport, and there mm-hmm. was like Mandalorian Signa inside that ship, right? Well, no, no, Somebody... it was it was it was Beskar that well, Beskar. was in there, Sorry. right? But it, but the the new Dark Troopers or whatever have Beskar armor, right? So that kind of explains that. So he's and who's who's making the armor, huh? That's who's true. making the armor? That's this true. is why I think like I look down, I guess, at the wrong time. And all of a sudden I see them all going underground or on that that ship. And then um, the armorers taking off like you don't see who's in that plane because or that that ship because I missed it. And then I see her being like, are you open for transport? Let me in, blah, blah, blah. I have some of the wounded. She's the only person not being ambushed. They know like Moff Gideon and them know they're on Mandalore. Now, obviously that was like not too much of a secret because what's her face gave that information up earlier to Moff Gideon being like, yeah, they want to take this over, blah, blah, blah. Um, these guys all help grief Karga. Cool. I'm down with that. All this lines up. Why did she specifically leave? Why is the episode called spies? Who is telling them this information? Who is helping the Empire? Who built this armor? Who did all this? The armorer is a baddie. 
I'm calling it. I think that's going to be the big ending. Sean, did you think of that yourself or did you read stuff online? No, I've been thinking about this for like <laughs> a while. Yeah. I mean, like, like it's, it's I've been sus of her since she like pushed. Like, why would you constantly say you have to wear your helmet? This is the way blah, 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 blah. And then re bring Bo-Katan into the Mandalorian tribe just to be like, yeah, you could take off your helmet. And like she summoned her down to like her little lair. Yeah, but okay, hold on. The reason why I think she changed her mind is because she is someone who doesn't follow the creed, right? Who doesn't follow all that stuff. But she also said that she saw the mythosaur. So from the armor's perspective, this is someone who like the mythosaur was uh, a, a creature of of myth <laughs> that only those who follow the creed truly believed in. So now we have someone who, you know, by their own right says, I don't follow that shit, um, but I have seen this. So I think that's where the, the armorer says, look, like you have seen this as someone who doesn't follow the creed, who doesn't believe in our belief system, who always just thought that that was just some fairy tale. But now you've seen it. You are the person who can bring our divided clan together. Because she can then connect with the people who believe in it and the people who who don't and say, look, I've seen this like I our our legends are true. And I, I think that's kind of why she has uh, has brought because they explained it. I don't know. I mean, like uh, your your theory is interesting. I feel, though, if they were to do that, it would it would. uh it would change a lot of the significance of what the armorer has done or said or um, tried to uh, kind of influence in regards to the Mandalorians and stuff like that. You know, like she made this armor for, for Grogu, right? And it's like, oh, you know, now you have this armor from someone who tried to, who ultimately was trying to kill you or like give you up to the empire or something like that. Right. Like it just, why would you make armor for, for something if you truly didn't care about its protection, right? Like that kind of was out of nowhere. I like, I don't, I don't disagree with that, but like as any spy, you could be flipped. Something could have happened. It just, it seemed like her whole trajectory this season has been to me suspect. And I like you, have been trying to figure out exactly what is happening this season. And there's no real definitive answer as to what, like if, if I asked you point blank, what you, your opinion of, or like what, if you were to describe in one sentence, what happened this season of the Mandalorian, what would you say? Um, I would say what happened in this season is that the Mandalorians kept going to Mandalore. Yeah. And accomplished not a whole lot. And Grogu got to to hang out with Anzalians and now rides in the chest of IG-12. And you know what the thing is? When I saw that, it's cool, it's funny, it's all right. And it, it ex- gives him a little bit more freedom with interacting with stuff. But at the same time, you know why they did that? Because someone was like, how do we sell more toys? Yeah. 100%. That's 
That's all. Him stealing the food was very funny. Like I laughed. (laughs) Yeah. But like I sent you an audio clip and obviously we can't play it here because we don't have it. But people think the Anzalian said motherfucker, which is hilarious. Yeah, I mean probably not. But at the same time, it's 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 very close. All right. Well, I think that's pretty much it for this, right? We're not going to we're not going to say anything else until next week. Obviously, we because we haven't seen it. But David, before we go, I want to play you a small audio clip of something I found on the Internet, and I've just died laughing every time I've heard it. Okay. (laughs) Ready? Yeah. Princess Peach. Isn't that the greatest thing you've accidentally ever heard? <laughs> it's almost as good as the uh, bacon pancakes in yeah. New York, right? Yeah. Uh, do you remember? I can't remember what uh, parody website it was, but they did. I fell down the ramp and it was a Donald Trump thing where it was talking about falling down a ramp in the wind, but they remixed it into a song and it is just, it's brilliantly funny. Yeah, brilliant. I can't say I've heard that one. No. It's brilliantly funny, but that is it for this one. We want to know what you guys think about the Mandalorian. We want to know if you think the armorer is bad. Do you think this is the end of Din Djarin? Do you think they just take Grogu and we're on another fetch quest? I mean, I we'll find out by the time people listen to this episode and if they've seen it, they'll already know. But if you haven't answer those questions. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. Cause we're talking in the past yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for myself. Wow, wow, is very nice. And David. Hello there. We want to thank you all for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode of the Scene on Screen podcast.